All right, welcome back. Episode 37 of the Young Old Heads podcast. Can't believe we made it this far. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Max, aka Cards Max, aka Cards Max Peacock Edition. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a little bit surprising that we're 15 weeks away from a year, but at the same token, Tommy and I do this literally every single weekend, bearing very few exceptions. So it's not shocking at all that we're getting close this close to a year. Every week you give an update on how close to a year are we are. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah. I love it. I, I love it. Um, you yeah. want to give the people just we're quick. Uh, what? We're going to keep beating that joke to death. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, do you want to give the people just a rundown of your week, Max? Do you do anything fun? Not really. Uh, car related, card related, I have not done I have not gone to any shows. I have not had any big pickup buys. Today is Sunday, so I may be watching some auction houses to see if there's anything interesting that catches my eye or attention. But this week has been pretty dormant. Yeah, I my really only big card activity was opening up my Sapphire update box that I talked about last week. That was a big L for me, but uh, I have no regrets about opening it just because it was fun. But the base cards were super bowed quote-unquote bowed which i feel like i've been seeing that a lot around social media that people are upset with how bent all the chrome cards are max have you seen like you know how like people call chrome cards bowed when they're like kind of curved i don't want to play semantics but i know warped right like it's curved yeah i think warped and bowed same thing yeah Um, okay i want to make sure they're synonyms i've heard about that um my understanding especially with warped cards it's not surface damage psa isn't going to grade it any more different it doesn't have any legitimate creasing and when you put it in a penny sleeve and top loader the top loader fixes it so it's a little bit annoying from a quality control standpoint and usually they don't come out of the pack warped if anything maybe that has to do with the dimensions of the pack and that it's like it's not constrained in the pack that like it's able to warp in the pack rather than you open a pack of you know 2019 tops chrome they come out straight and normal, but then if you leave them on your desk on penny sleeve, like I do with some of my base sometimes, then it starts to curve over time. That's an interesting, like, yeah, because they came out of my packs for Sapphire update pretty bowed or warped, as we'll say. Um, no, I like the bowed. This is like a East Coast, West Coast type of thing. <laughs> it's like, which region are you from? Yeah. Which word do you use? Um, yeah. Do you say hella? I do say hella. Hella's the bay, though. I'm pr- I know. I'm pro hella, though. Hella is literally Oakland, straight up. So I, yeah. I obviously say Hella. Hell is anti Hella. I am pro Hella. When I go home for like Christmas and stuff, and I'm with all my home friends, I I just slip back into the lingo so hard. <laughs> but when I'm out here in Chicago, I kind of it's suppressed a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, I don't really mind the bowed cards for the same reason you were talking about. Like they're fine once you put top loaders on them. But it seems like something that a lot of people do think is bad. And I know that PSA doesn't grade them differently, but the whole concept of like, well, PSA doesn't grade it differently, but collectors don't like it. I think could be an interesting thing to think long-term. I know like with like the late nineties tops Chrome, there's like the hulking out green thing, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where like the coloring goes green on some of those tops Chrome cards. So I wonder if in the future, like some, like a certain set of tops Chrome long-term will be like super bowed. And like, that's just like the norm. And if that, how that impacts stuff. 
the biggest distinction is that greening is irreversible and that just occurs on 90s chrome cards due to the exposure to light, which I guess is fundamentally a quality control issue. But you put your bowed card or you put your warped card sleeved, top loaded, you know, give it a few days. To my understanding, it's going to look straight and normal. Like, I, yes just, and like, no. Yes and no. Density thing. Like it's not any damage to the card. It's just that, like, maybe the ends of the card are heavier, and then you have their center of gravity, so they bow downwards because it's a chrome heavier stock. I don't know. I'm not like a wacky scientist or anything, but my wacky scientist intuition makes me think that. SMH, you are a wacky scientist, Max, but um, I think it's just something that, I don't know, maybe in 20 years we'll listen back on this episode and be like, yeah, that's actually became a huge problem for the hobby, and people don't like it. But I think for now, don't the ramifications of 20 years from now until 20 years from now. Like we see the bad stuff of nineties top Chrome basketball and hulking of Kobe Bryant, Chrome rookie cards. But that's also with the framework of we're 30 years out. How bad will these 2023 and 2022 and 2021 Chrome cards be 10, 15 years from now? That's just something that, We'll have to wait and see as we're churning more podcast episodes. We can reference this episode in the meantime, episode 37. <laughs> Everyone will remember episode 37. Uh, I think that another like version of this that I've heard people talk about is like sticker autos. Like will sticker autos be worse long-term? Like will they wear off or like, will they like the sticker, you know, adhesive wear down to the point where in like 50 years, all sticker autos are like fucked up a little bit. I don't know, but that's just something that like 75 year old Tommy and Max will talk about. So I'll, I'll let them talk about it in the future. Can we talk about the difference between the old sticker that top used to use and the newer ones for top certified autos? Oh yeah. I love that topic. Because the old sticker autos, I had a Jed Laurie 2005 Bowman Sterling first year sticker auto and the material that they use, it makes the card look lavish. You have the hologram on the back, you have the shiny, lustrous sticker on the front. But on the modern day stickers, you just have this little flimsy little guy where someone wrote his name. My problem with that is like now it just seems like they're trying to like hide the fact that it is a sticker. Well, I feel like in the past they used to kind of like make the sticker cool, enhance it a little bit, have the hologram, make it look kind of cool. So I'm on. I'm, I'm agree. I agree with you on that. So, no, Tommy, have you heard about this like Ronaldo sticker issue? That's happened. So on Tops Deco, they're, you know, with soccer in general, a lot of people have some of the same names. You know, um, Cristiano Ronaldo is the one that's often debated with. Messi is one of the greatest soccer players of all time. He's referred to as CR7. And there's another player for also for Real Madrid, uh, Ronaldo Nazario. I totally butchered that pronunciation. Uh, I'm just going to refer to him as R9. And yeah, he played for Real Madrid and his name naturally is also Ronaldo. So in this year's is uh, Top Deck Tops Deco, which is a soccer product kind of with like a Gatsby 1920s, 1930s like look. Why they're doing that with a soccer product that's pretty much exclusive to Tops UK, I have no idea. But they used CR7 autos, sicker autos on R9 cards. So R9's autograph on that card is actually a Cristiano Ronaldo card, Cristiano Ronaldo autograph. And there's not many of them. I think it's only like numbered 
to 25 and number to 50, number to 10, and I think a one of one. But I believe every single copy of this card uses CR7's auto. And I have to imagine both CR7's auto is more expensive as well as this just being a huge botched scenario by Tops. I don't know how and what manner they're fixing this with, but definitely shows the faults in using sticker autos in the first place. Yeah. You have not presumably not highly paid or highly cared about, you know, employees that don't really care about. They're just putting the sticker onto the card. Yeah. I I feel like on social media, you often see like fucked up sticker auto situations, like upside down stickers or like the wrong player. I think my favorite example of that ever is, I think it was 2007 or eight Donruss elite baseball. We've talked about that set as like the first prospect set for a lot of guys. I know that there's a guy that didn't make it out of double A ball that his autograph on all like 530 of his cards in that set autograph set are sticker autos of Magic Johnson. No way. That's so funny. Yeah. So I think Donris or Panini, whoever owned them at the time, they literally fucked up and put on this pitcher like prospect who never made it out of double A ball has all George or Magic Johnson autos on his cards, which I think is just absolutely hilarious. I've never heard that before. That's incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> but Max, this week, uh, other than talking about Tops quality control in general, which I think is always a fun topic and always gets people going, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about collecting basketball cards. Because lately, I feel like we've been hitting baseball pretty heavy. and I'm a little I, biased. I know you're biased, but you know basketball is my, my game of collecting for the most part. Obviously, I do do baseball a lot. But um, what inspired this is our boy... Our good friend of the, not really, I doubt he listens to this, but Ephus, at Ephus Pitch on Instagram, he does a list of like top 10 non-insert, non-auto modern rankings for like baseball. And his list, I'll just run these through. It's basically just like anything that like would be the most collectible for a baseball set. I'll just start the top 10 list just so you, just for the reference for people. Number 10 was Topps Finest Gold Refractors. Number nine was Topps Chrome Blue Refractors. Number eight was Topps Heritage Black Refractors, which I just got that posy. I agree with that one. Number seven was Topps Opening Day Variations. We've talked about those before. Number six was Bowman Chrome Gold Refractors. Number five was Topps Heritage Throwback Variations. Photo, basically like the photo variations of Heritage. I like those. Um, haven't collected too much of those, but I do. I like those. Number four is Topps Flagship Blacks. Take a shot if you're playing the Young Old Heads drinking game. Number three was Topps Chrome Cold Refractors. Number two was Topps Chrome SSPs. And then number one was Topps Flagship SSPs. So that's a list of like, I think with baseball collectors, they quote unquote love con- love continuity. And I think that, you know, there's a certain level of like hierarchy that is really strictly held to for baseball that like holds throughout years. And I think this list, you know, obviously we could argue. I don't think that. I can argue a lot with that list. Yeah, I know. There's plenty of to argue with it. But basically, you know, I think the point is that making a list like this for basketball would be really difficult because Panini messes, messes, like messes things up all the time. There's always like a lot of variations in what's going on. Um, but I just pulled out some of my favorite basketball cards in my collection just to talk about as like why I collected them. Get your thoughts, Max, on like what you think about them and like compared you know relative compared between each other like collectability. Judgment once you give me this list Don't i worry. did not i didn't make like a formal list i'm just going to go yeah. through some cards and i'm going to talk about like set by set what i think the best cards are to collect um we're going to start though with hoops 
So Hoops is interesting because it's like an older set in terms of like its history. I think it started in 1990. Um, but it doesn't really have an iconic parallel. Like Max, what would be the first parallel that comes to your mind when you think of Hoops basketball? Is it bad that I don't know if I can name any? I always have the constant battle of, so we have Topps flagship for baseball. What is the flagship equivalent for basketball? And at first I was thinking hoops because hoops is just a plain paper set is the first release of the year. A first release that has um, NBA, NBA rookies in their drafted uniforms and entirely licensed apparel. But then the counter argument is Donruss because Donruss also has optic plate off it. And that's the equivalent of Topps Chrome and Donruss paper. But also it's a little bit of a flipper gimmicky set. But is it just because it's more popular? Doesn't mean it's not flagship. I don't know. But point being gold laser out of 10, not even a true gold. I think it's a gold laser or gold hyper out of 10. That's in hoops. That's the first parallel that comes to mind in part because I owned one. But for Donruss, though, I can think of a lot of other parallels come to mind. Okay, that's interesting. I know I sent you that Desmond Bain Black Laser 101 rated rookie this week on Instagram. That was a banger. It bangs. That bangs. Um, but all right, the one that comes to my mind first, and maybe this is just like a little biased. I feel like Hoops is fan is like popular for their explode quote unquote explosion parallels. Like you have the teal explosion, um, which is a fat pack exclusive. Um, so it's hard to say a retail, you know, like a really common retail parallel is super iconic or whatever. But I do think that those are like something that collectors, you know, favor heavily. Um, but the two ones that I think are like the, I have issues with, but I think are the best. There's yeah. a out of 199, what I think is just called a hollow parallel, um, maybe just a silver. It's basically just like a rainbow foil from tops, but a little nicer and it's numbered out of 199 on the front, which I kind of like too. Um, I think they're complete set. I don't know if they're pack pulled or not, but um, the other one that I think is probably in my head, maybe the best one to have is the out of 25 artist proof. Um, but the problem with these is that they are literally the same card. Like they look like their finish is the same. It just says artist proof on the out of 25 and out of the 199, it doesn't say anything. So I what are your thoughts? I think one of the biggest problems for basketball collectors and then therefore looking at the staying value of these parallels is that the design and the collectability of non-rookie cards is so slim to non-existent on Donruss and Hoops. It exists for Prism. It exists for Select. It exists even for Optic and the flippable brands. But a nice paper Steph Curry low numbered out of 25 you know, refractor or artist proof. It just doesn't, I don't know if it, if it doesn't have the clout value or the sticking point or of the allure. I think when you look into the lack of longevity with these brands, it what it is what's make it, it not desirable. And the parallels are lame as well. Artist proofs are lame. They're a cop out. Don't give me a Donruss blue press proof out of 149 where you just change the text to be purple instead of the normal boring white and gray and black. Give me something that isn't an artist proof. The photons and dragons and whatever in optic are fun. But when we're looking at what should be the traditional paper flagship iconic, you think of it when you think of 
Panini basketball, or at the very least, the paper equivalent of it. Artist press proof does not do it. Refractor numbered out of 199 does not do it. No. I disapprove. I agree, but you did say something that I'm going to counter right now, which is the non-Ricky card collecting for basketball stuff. But there is a one set that I think Panini, obviously this is a co-op. They, they copied this from previous years. And this is not a unique idea by them, but it has caught on with collecting. And I've seen it, you know, the set collecting. And I think we've talked about making inserts cool again. One that is very popular and I think is a huge win and something that is very collectible are the slam inserts from Hoops. So slam I'm holding are fire. Yeah, so I'm holding up a Steph Curry hollow one uh, from 2021 uh, Hoops. I know now that um, he now has a couple of them now that they've done it for a couple years, but I think the slam inserts are a rare win for Panini in terms of getting basketball collectors to care about non-rookie cards. Um, I think they obviously still have work to do with the parallels of them, and I don't really even know how many more slam magazines they can really pull out of their ass to make these more, make more of these inserts because I don't... It's a year, right? Yeah, or I mean, I don't... Probably. But, like, magazines are dying. But I, I think it's fun. I like magazine cover inserts, and I think that this is a good, like, mixture of basketball culture. I think magazines were a big part of the basketball culture in, like, the 2000s. Um, like the sneaker magazines and like the slam like my dad would get me slam i'd throw up the posters in my room like that was fun uh so i like that they make those cards i think those are a rare win uh max have you ever owned any slam inserts any cool ones i haven't but they're cool they bring a smile to my face on the rare times that i rip basketball i respect that there's a really nice carmelo one i feel like you should go after at some point the next carmelo one you know what i'm talking about yeah i do that's a cool one um, all right, but we're going to continue on. Uh, a very popular set early in Panini's days of basketball that now has fallen off so hard. And I feel like this is a good parallel to like what we're, no pun intended, but what we were talking about with like <laughs> the Tops Independence Day parallels, how bad they are now. Um, I'm a huge fan of the early days of Panini Crusade. So I Crusade. Love Crusade. So Crusade was a late was we got to get Mitch to talk about this, but Crusade was like a late '90s one of the first like really rare parallel induced sets. Um, but they brought it back in the you know when Panini started making basketball cards, and they just really pop the early days ones. Like this is a David Lee from the National out of five one, just really reflects hard. And then a couple of a clay blue Crusade and a clay silver one here. Um, I just really like what they did. I think they're really clean looking cards that when they still did good finishes to the refractors and prisms were just really nice looking. And I just hate that out of all the products that they've decided to butcher over the last few years, like Marquee and Crusade are the two ones that come to my mind that they've shoved into Chronicles. They've put out Flux Zone product, but they can't, you know, give these really, these products that actually have a pretty good amount of like, hobby history to them they can't they kind of are slacking it have you ever owned any crusades max yes uh back when i was in my middle school high school age of ripping you know when basketball was more like oh yeah it's not baseball but it's actually cheaper to rip i think the blue yellow crusades from like 2014 or so look so great uh another insert that i really like from that era is donruss elite I don't know if you know specifically what I'm referring to, but it has such a clean 
like gray and red look and finish to it. It's like a foil card. And I don't even think they were particularly rare, but you could just set, tell that there was a lot of focus on the player that the design was very much portraying in a very cool collectible light. Yeah, for sure. I know about your elite series. Uh, one Donruss insert that I'm, I think they still do. If they do, it's not quite to the same level that they used to is elite dominators. Uh, so elite dominators was, I think the first serial numbered insert ever in like the early nineties in Donruss. This is a clay Thompson one from 2014. Um, I know that the old heads will respect elite dominators as like a really collectible baseball set, but I think when they made these for basketball, they're actually pretty cool. Um, and they're all serial numbered out of 999. Uh, this clay one was actually pretty hard to find out of like all his like early mid career stuff that I collect. This was one that like always gets bought. Like they don't sit on eBay. I think these are something that long-term are good ones to have as a basketball collector, these elite dominators. Um, I know the, I know the old heads will respect that one, but do you want to know my favorite prism parallels, Max? We've talked about prism. Yeah. Uh, I just want to chime in quickly and say diamond Kings is so cool. It was great in the nineties. It's great when Panini baseball does it. I don't love court Kings, but it is a great looking insert. Court Kings. I have one up here. I like the early ones of court Kings. I think they first did it in 2016. Uh, well, now they have their own, their own product. Yeah, I like when it was an insert in optic more than as that its clay own. Looks, that clay looks phenomenal. Yeah, this is an orange out of one ninety nine from I mean twenty sixteen optic. I think we've talked about it as kind of an iconic set. The cards are just clean. I always am trying to pick up parallels. Uh, quasi color match. Quasi color match. I it's it tough with to me looking at it on the screen. Yeah, with the Warriors, it's nice because I can claim any any shade of blue. Uh, any shade of yellow, orange, basically, gold is all color match in my book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but for Prism, I have three parallels here, Max. And I know you're going to say gold is the color of the hobby, but this is a normal person's collecting podcast. Gold Prisms are not really super attainable for everybody. Um, I got, but they are. All right, do a bit about that for a sec then, because I proved me wrong. You have to deviate a little bit from, obviously, like Prisms, Nebulas, and golds are just like super high but i think even golds from like the lesser brands still like aren't that coveted and are definitely relatively budget friendly maybe in this example i just think this player is extremely underrated but i was watching a james harden select gold from 2013 so i believe that would be second year select James Harden is a phenomenal basketball player and iconic for the 2010s. He's lost a few steps now, but he's still absolutely killing it. He needs a ring. And I was looking at a PSA 9. It was at 100 bucks. I'm like, wow, that's cheap. And I saw a completed 10, PSA 10 of the gold did like $250. And I'm like, wow, for like a superstar player of a top five basketball base card brand, you know, not counting national treasures, this card is like relative. It's not like Steph Curry prices. It's not LeBron prices. It's not Prism, granted, but this is like attainable. And I think even like the black velocities and the golds of lower tier player, maybe not an optic, but in you know hoops, Donruss, the paper brands, gold still symbolizes so much. And if you can skew off the coolness and the conformity you will win cash and mental collecting winnings. Yeah. If you want to build a sick collection, picking like a not number one 
basketball player type level and just collecting his best cards is pretty affordable honestly it's even his rarest cards like yeah well about a rare card and then you have a bunch of rare cards all in a collection it's like yeah no one else can topple what you have no one else can beat you and collecting is all a little bit of a clout battle if not to other people then to ourselves just to find that we can collect the things in the coolest possible way and that we have that our collecting tastes are right in our own head. Even if you're humble, even if you're double humble, you still all think like this. And it's cool to focus and operate on stuff that's rare, in my opinion, because there's not as much competition and people will respect, and even you will respect your own collecting by cherishing the rare little numbered bits. For sure. Well, here are my, I have three prison parallels that are my favorite. I know that this will be hot take because everyone has their favorite, whatever. I think the true blues, the true blues are my number one. They've been around since 2013 prism. So second year prism onward, they have these true blues. I think they're the nicest, cleanest, like most continuity. I mean, other than silvers. So silvers obviously I think are cool, but I'm, I'm not really even including silvers because I think they're overhyped. So if they're overhyped, whatever. Um, blue is my number one. Um, number two though is, I don't know exactly what they call this, but cracked ice, blue cracked ice out of 99. Um, this is what I consider to be the creme de la creme of prism parallels probably. Um, I know that they offer, they have a pretty decent premium for them over other similarly numbered prism parallels. I just think these look nice. This is a David West one. I think I got this for two bucks on Comp C. Um, nice cards to collect. If you have like a guy, that's a good one to get, I think. Uh, Max, do you have any thoughts on best prison parallels in your opinion yeah i was about to come at you with a pitchfork for not putting blue ice number one but then you justified blue with the continuity of it going since 2014 and 2013 2013 excuse me while blue ice has been going since about 2017 i know that's the common hype beast collector oh blue ices are so cool i own a blue ice rj barrett psa 9 rookie and I really like it. I think it matches very well with the color. And Cracked Ices and Atomics, I think in general, add the little bit of flair to the card that doesn't make it suck like waves and shimmers. And some might even say logo fractors. Ices give that jewel, crystalline, sapphire look in the case of if it's a blue card that I think all of us love at the end of the day. I totally agree. Um my girlfriend was filming me opening up the Chrome Sapphire yesterday, and she was like, damn, these cards are like, I get why these cards are the premium product. So I think that the blue cracked ice makes a lot of sense. Um, I think this next one that I'm going to bring up, this next parallel slash set, is uh, one that is especially beloved by basketball collectors, um, and that is Revolution Galactics out of 100. Um this is a first year 2015 Draymond one I got on ComC, I think for like 20 bucks or something. But these Galactics out of 100 have been around since the first revolution parallel, first year they made Basketball Revolution. And definitely seem to be something that I see a lot of my like most respected basketball collectors chasing once the products come out. Um, just looking at this one in hand right now is just, it's pretty clear that this is a pretty nice card. I mean, the light really reflects well. The quality is nice. And as like a quote unquote paper card with foil, Revolution, I think, is really a product that stands out as unique to basketball as like a premium product. I know they make it for football, 
and obviously they make it for baseball. I know Mitch loves early <laughs> revolution was like a product in the late nineties that Mitch loves too. But um, for basketball, I love this parallel. Max, have you done much revolution collecting or buying and selling? I know of the set. I know of the Chinese new year parallels and the other revolutions numbered. I just, I don't fall in love with it. Maybe it's because it's a homage to the era of collecting of before we were born, but not a fan. I don't think it looks cool. Galactic looks cool, like what you said, but I don't think it looks unique enough to differentiate itself from other parallels. That's fair. I think Revolution does get convoluted with the parallels. It's hard to differentiate them, um, for sure. Uh, here is my next one for you, though. I think the Illusions acetate inserts are very sick. Um, here's a Steph Curry one from last year or two years ago. Um, I know, I feel like acetate is something that is a hot topic in collecting in general. Some people just totally ignore it. Some people are obsessed with it and love everything acetate. Um, I'm kind of in between. I don't really chase anything acetate, but if I hit one in a break or something, I'm always going to keep it. Um, Max, what are your thoughts on acetate cards? Pro acetate cards. What do you think of glass cards? Gimmicky, honestly. I, I've never owned any glass cards, I don't think. Um, but... I think they're gimmicky, man. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I've never owned one. That It at least breaks the mold. I feel like acetate is a common uh, material used to differentiate itself from cardboard. And I like when they're rare, like in tops, and they're out of tens. And they're the ultimate differentiator from paper in that it's not a super factor, but it's not even paper. That's cool. But when they're a common insert set or rel or a relatively common insert set. I dig them. I don't dig them that much. I'm not going to dig to the centers of the earth core. I don't dig them that much, but I dig them a little bit. I'm going to make a nice little hole in the ground signifying my interest in acetate cards, but not to the earth's core. That's fair. Are you? Yeah. I, I think the problem with them is that they don't really have like a quote unquote flagship. I mean, I feel like that's the theme of the episode is just the the continuity problems, but there's just like they make a bunch of them and then they kind of just throw around the term acetate. I know with like a hollow heroes, people have the same issue. Um, there's just too many of them and there's not like one, one to have. Like, here's another card though, Max, that I want to talk about that I think basketball is especially good about. We've talked about this for baseball before with like multiple player cards where there's like two guys on it. Um, this is, I was hating on Flux, but this is a Flux Deja Vu Silver with Trey Young and Steph on it. Um, I really do enjoy the, the two player cards in basketball more so than I do in other sports. Um, I don't know why, but I think Panini emphasizes them a little bit, but they also always choose like very well thought out connections. Like Trey Young was getting a lot of hype as like the next Steph. Obviously I think that's ridiculous, but this is like a card, like I don't really want to own any Trey Young cards, but then if Steph's on it, I'm a little more inclined to pick it up and like just have it for my collection. Just even as like a reminder that at some point someone thought Trey Young could be Steph Curry just as a funny memory. Um, do you, I have think you ever... card, especially if you get both IP signed, I know that's common for some of the heritage cards. And even I think there's an optic contenders or maybe just optic normal subset where it's just, they have inserts and it's two players. I think there's one of Justin Herbert and Jordan Love and I think Herbert and Joe Burrow. That's cool. I like it. It's fun. There you go. Um, I'm going to give one more shout out to an optic parallel that we haven't talked about, which is just the true reds out of 99, I think are really, really clean. I know an optic, the blues are out of 49. 
Um, I do like those two. Uh, I just didn't have any in the box that I was looking through, but this is a clay red out of 99. I think the reds are super undervalued. I think a while ago I sent you like a Jalen Green true red rated rookie optic, and it was going for way cheaper than I was expecting. So um, I think when it's not a team color match, even, you know, with clay or whatever, the Warriors, obviously he's not a red, it's not a team color, but um, I just feel like those are kind of slept on in general. I just don't see them very often on eBay, which also makes me inclined to think that collectors are swooping them up and keeping them for their collections. If it's not out of five, I say goodbye. Even in the Chrome update, when it's out of 25, you say goodbye. It makes me feel weird. Yeah, it makes me feel weird, it too. It should be out of five. Well, Max, that was kind of the list of all of them I had. The, the last set that I wanted to bring up as just like a cool one that I have fun collecting is a Contender's Optic. Uh, here's a blue out of 99 clay base uh, parallel. And then I really enjoy their, uh, what are these called? playing the numbers game they just do like give like inserts based on games that happened the year before so like if a guy pops off has like let's say donovan mitchell scored 71 points there'll be one of these cards next year in contenders optic that's like donovan mitchell scores 71 points those are cards go ahead no i said you mean darius garland who scored 71 points what are you talking about (laughs) i know who i'm talking about I'm, i'm poking some fun but those are like things I think specific games are spe- are like things that basketball is more fun to collect in basketball than baseball. Like obviously a seventh throw is a perfect game or something. I like, I will collect a card of like Matt Kane, I think has a perfect game card from one of the top sets. And I like, I collect that. And I know that in like update and when it used to be called update and highlights, they used to throw in a lot of like, they throw in a lot of like specific games that happen. Like the Miguel Cabrera hits 3000 hits. I think pool, I don't think pool has got one cause it was too late in the year, but um I think in my head, basketball, those are more fun to collect in basketball than in baseball, more so just because like the individual games in basketball are much more iconic. Like everyone remembers Kobe's last game. Everyone remembers, you know, when Steph had 13 or 12 or 13 threes against the Thunder and hit that, the bang, the double bang Mike Breen call game. And like when Dame hit the buzzer beater to beat the Thunder in the playoffs, that sort of stuff. Um, Those are iconic moments that Panini does at least a halfway decent job of capturing I know I've talked about the set obviously before, but the road to the final set, I just picked up a Steph Curry one from the finals out of 199 where he's doing the night night celebration. And I just think that that card is going to be maybe honestly, in my opinion, this is maybe recency bias. The Steph Curry card to have outside of his rookie cards is going to be that card out of 199, the night night card. So I bought one kind of cashed out, sold some Steph rookie base Steph rookie cards to afford it. Um, I just think it's a good one to have long-term. So, Max, what are your thoughts on that? I like cards that are cool to collect. When Topps copies Panini, imitation is the finest form of flattery that I forget the other half of the quote, but it's not very friendly. But in that regard, Topps just tries to steal ideas from Panini. Panini has some good ideas, but most of their ideas suck. But when Panini hits a good idea, it's sometimes cool. And I'm glad that you found your collecting niche in that regard. Well, thanks for letting me spew about basketball for a little bit. One thing to remember is that all of Panini's best ideas are probably copied from previous card brands. <laughs> but still can find some stuff to collect and like make your stuff unique. Um, but imitation, Max- imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. Panini is not greatness, but they sometimes have greatness make it a quote um max do you have any cards that you bought this week that you want to talk about 
did I have any cards that I bought this week that I want to talk about? I have not bought many cards recently because I, coming back from the Dallas show, I didn't want to have a bunch of mail at my doorstep and also allocate funds towards that mail that I would be spending at Dallas. So my mail has been slower than ever lately and uneventful and boring and not card friendly. All right. Well, I at least have a couple cards that I'll talk about then just to fill the time before we end here. Um, actually, I, I I have one thing, Max. This is a special, unique uh, little thing that we're doing here. Our good friend Gaby Cardstacks sent me a question last week, and I want to just hear your thoughts on it. He wanted to know, basically, if someone's rookie card is not in their most iconic jersey, let's say Anthony Rizzo's in a Padres uniform. Or even I, you- if you're saying jersey or uniform, because I'd say the Steph Curry rookies are not in an iconic uniform. I would argue that the Davidson uniform is iconic, but regardless. I'm not saying Davidson uniform. I'm saying the red and yellow Warriors old logo. Oh, I love that. See, I love it too, but it's not iconic. It's not what they're, he's known for. True, true, true. Um, the, yeah. How much does that impact the color match price? Like, I think the color match just as a jersey number. It has to be something in someone desirable. So if you're looking at aspects that would diminish desirability, then the premium is necessarily going down. This isn't calculus. There's no math. We can't take the derivative of a jersey number function and then get an output value. If there's reasons that the card isn't cool, and then we're in a game where it's worth what someone's willing to pay. And if your card is not cool, people are going to pay less. Yeah, there you go. There's it, Collecting cards is not calculus. You heard it here first from Max. But Max, I bought some cards this week that will make you proud. I bought some soccer cards from our good friend Infinite Cards. I bought my first ever Peacock Mosaic. And I love how this looks. This looks like fucking dope. But I also like don't know anything about soccer. So when I buy soccer cards, I just go purely based off, off aesthetics and what I know to be rare. So um, got a good deal on that. And then I bought like a 2014 Prism insert, red, white, and blue of um one of the dutch guys so i have fun i had fun this week collecting soccer cards and then i had a viral card on twitter this week i had a tweet about buying a card that i probably shouldn't have bought which is a jamarcus russell red refractor 2007 out of 139 um jamarcus russell special place in my heart because i was a huge raiders fan when they drafted him and i had massive expectations and as someone who doesn't pick up too many football cards I saw this on eBay and I was like, you know what? I'll spend 10 bucks on this, like just for the nostalgia and like the fact that this card would have been, it's still encased in like the, the tops thing that it came in out of the hobby box. So whoever pulled this at the time was probably a huge hit. And I just thought it was kind of a funny piece of like football history and just with like a funny anecdote for myself. So you love history. I do love history. Jamarcus Russell loves lean and marijuana. So that's, Probably the last card that I'll talk about today. I talked about a lot of shit today, Max. This was a big uh, Tommy collecting episode. So do you have any parting thoughts for the people before we sign off here? I found the Ian Anderson black-white mini-diamond that was lost in my collection for a while, but now can be added to the black-white mini-diamond binder. So we are slowly chipping away at the conclusion of that set. Can we finally, can you finish that set this year? Can I help you? Can we just make it happen? Can we get the army behind you? Maybe. Probably not. All right. Well, Max, this was fun. Thanks for listening to me speed this week. And 
I know that next week we'll be back with more shenanigans, more random collecting thoughts. And uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to make sure you're staying in the know of what we're going to talk about and what is on our minds. So we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Max, you're not going to say peace out? Peace.